There are these two moviegoers in the theater. They're watching, like, you know, a B, C-tier movie um, without any celebrities. And it's about uh, people at Rainbow um, who are setting up, getting ready for dinner on a really, really cloudy night. Um, and then one of them, turn, one of the moviegoers turns to the other one and says, there are no stars in this movie. A simple note, his name unspoken, rehearses the pause.
before returning to the thought he carries on. The sound so sure, the moment so true, becomes the driving force. It clears the mind and hopes to find company on its course. The second send becomes our friend, for the dawn will carry on the joyful sound of birth's rebound, those dreams sleeping in his song. Under a moon bright as a child's eyes, we ramble the night away, beats and all. On a dark wooded trail, amped twangs sound from a man crowned with shadow. Fresh surroundings on a city mind have me lost like a kid, and in the land of refugees I'm at home in the cover of dark brush. To satisfaction I stroll, here I go. So we sit, scoring marks into the wall of time imprisoning life. 
philosophizing on a way to add up the numbers and knock down the tower. Clock that looms above, chiding us to commit to a shackle of false pretense. But it's plain and simple. The heartbeat roars in our ears. It pounds in our pulses and whisks us away. A rainbow cascading into a sky bound only with clouds bright with the light of righteousness. We are reborn as one a billion times over. after me. Here we go. We're gonna burn the beauty of this world into our souls. We're gonna burn the beauty of this world into our souls. So when we go, there's nothing left to do except explode. So when we go, there's nothing left to do except explode. Shrapnel of love is raining down everyone. Of love is raining down on everyone. So we say, so we say, some may have their heaven at the end. We'll take ours now. Some may have their heaven at the end. We'll take ours now. You got that? Okay, good. Just like, we're gonna burn the beauty of this world into our souls, so when we go, there's nothing left to do except explode. Shrapnel of love is raining down on everyone, so we say, some may have their heaven at the end, we'll take ours now. And if you just get the we'll take ours now, just like really take that we'll take ours now, okay? And then, um, and so the, uh, the other sing-along part is very easy. It goes like this. La-da-da-da-da. La da 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 la da 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 just like that. La da 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 la da 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 la da 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 sky burst into flame at sunset but that don't mean that I am going to close my eyes just because one can see it instead I'm gonna soak in until I choke I'm gonna use my ears deaf because we have been forewarned as soon as we are born that there is no much time left. We're gonna burn. We're gonna burn the beauty of this world into our souls. So when we go, there's nothing left to do except explode. Shrapnel of love is raining down on everyone. So we say, some may have their heaven at the end. We'll take ours now.
There once was a rainbow tarper who would only hang them real proper. One day in the rain, to their moist disdain, lack of rope became a showstopper. Limerick by James. And thanks again for tuning in to the A-side of Totally High Holy Rainbow Colored Spirit Hawk of Awakened Manifestation, Part 8. Twinkle Twist Tenali here, holding down the camp. Visit either soundsfromtherainbow.org or muddybootsradio.org for a playlist as well as previous episodes in the Rainbow Field Recording series. All right. Be sure to check out the B-side. See you there.
Ah, oh, we missed it. We missed it. I am listen. By the way, uh, audience, I am uh, interviewing for a co-host. Um, I'm at one hour and two minutes and okay. 51, 52, 53. Okay, I'm almost there. You want me to pause and you? Yeah. Uh huh. Okay. You tell me when you're at 103.02 and count me up, Mike. All right, 103.02. It's going to be three, two, one, go. Hey, listen, if the transmission goes all together, you think we're going to be able to blow up? I'm afraid to look at your screen. Okay, yeah. so now we learn that there's a roadblock ahead, okay? And, they, you know, there's no way they're going to get through it. So Burt mm -hmm. Reynolds gets this great idea. We'll piggyback on the back is, of a truck. Is he, is he on a CB and is he talking CB shit? He's like, hey, 10 poor, good buddy. This is smoking. We, we got you. A, just the lightest little bit. Bandit. Okay, that plate is from the James Bond movies. It's um, golden. Uh, I have it. I'm not oh. sure which two. I have it here. Man with the golden armor. It might be the fly who bugged me. <laughs> <laughs> That's their joke in this movie. Yeah. That's a real joke in this movie. Yeah. Someone put that in a screenplay and got paid for it? Yeah, <laughs> Bianca Jagger goes, oh my goodness, it's so hot. And he goes, I don't know. When I was in Cairo, shooting the fly who bugged me, it was 130 in the shade. The fly who bugged me. <laughs> oh, man. That's how, the Peabody, that's how they won the Peabody Award. <laughs> Tonight, we're in a nice warm box car. Sleep tonight at 
welcome to the weekly review with Roman. Yay! Friday. Thank you so much. And uh, good to be back here on a Friday. We recorded the general week. Last show on past Monday. We're broadcasting live here from Mutiny Radio. We're on the corner. And we are in homeland. Original inhabitants. Org and Roman's acknowledgement, please. Resources. Threads of news outlets to follow and. On the show today, I will be playing uh, an interview that I did yesterday. So excited. So we've had a really great talk speaking with folks. We're grateful. Have a very uh, enlightening conversation. Humor in it, too, which is always important when you're talking about that are just incredibly heartbreaking and difficult. How they navigate through. So I'll be playing that in just a bit. Please do tune in. I'm really excited to chat. So uplifting. Appreciate. Start off with some music as we usually do. Change it up. I recognize that some shows have theme songs. I do that. So I'll start off with a song by Pete Seeger called Hobo's Lullaby. And I picked up this record, literal record. Uh, at Community Fit, says on the back. Trouble everywhere. Heaven. Yep. And by that, those, those lyrics there, so I thought that was go with. Faster song. Bedhead. We'll be playing some more music throughout the show. And um, first, I'm just going to go ahead and play this interview. Yay! Uh, to share it with you all. And so I, the first part of it's cut off by a little bit. But uh, here we go. Work identity. I'm no longer the executive director of Oakland Peace Center. Oh. Um, I, yeah, I a horizontal staffing structure at the Oakland So now oh. I'm a contract employee, and the people that I brought onto the team are now my boss. Um, so it's really cool. It's really exciting. Um, and it's a huge change. I was the founder of that organization, and uh, there were a lot of blood. There was a lot of blood, sweat, and tears that went into it. And so I only handed my keys in uh, last week, and that was a whole thing. Um, so now I am a freelance consultant uh, doing anti-oppression work um, and working with nonprofits, working with faith communities, uh, doing diversity, equity, and inclusion, or doing anti-oppression, or doing intersectionality work, doing community organizing even uh, in some of those spaces. So it's definitely more where my joy is. It's definitely more where my passion is uh, these days. 
Um, I'm not a great administrator, and that's what being an ED mostly is. I see. So, yeah. So that's going on, and I'm also working on my next book. Um, so that's exciting. Oh, excellent. Can we can we talk about your next book? Absolutely, and it ties into the event I want to talk to you about. So yes. Um, my next book is on how connecting with the spiritual and cultural practices of our ancestors can equip us for the work of dismantling white supremacy. Ooh. It's kind of exciting. Yeah. It's and I think exciting. it's true. I think it's true for white people as well as people of color. And that's some of what's um, interesting to be playing around with is how we identify ancestors, which ancestors have been withheld from us, mm -hmm. how we help heal our ancestors. Yes. Um, so all of that's part of the work. I don't know if that's stuff you've thought much about before. Um, definitely. And I feel like I didn't really go much into it this time because of all the documents and videos and everything. I didn't really. I know I knew one grandparent, and that. So I feel like I can figure where I came from, but also not. Beyond a certain point, sorry, I can kind of hear myself a little bit. Um, yeah, I definitely. Learned a little bit from her time, from my mom's side, and what it's like to to lose family members. Even though I didn't know them, I still feel like mom is and her father is someone who kind of very connected to my feelings and uh, I inherited some of that as well. So uh, epigenetics I call it. Yes. Uh, it's something to definitely and like how many folks because it's like the world as far as I know, like more people than I've experienced and hold it us and it's still happening this day in various ways exactly so like how do we continue to go about our day while holding what the happened in the past and what we inherited yes yes that's absolutely right and i think there's something about it's interesting because i think as i've been thinking about this i'm living in this tension of our ancestors weren't perfect. And so this idea of kind of reconnecting to our ancestors isn't kind of a magical solution to a problem. Mm -hmm. um, and they did an awful lot of things in order to survive. And they made yes. decisions based on the desire to make sure that we would exist. Um, mm. And so where do, I, where do I embrace wisdom uh, and their ability to survive and their ability sometimes to thrive, uh, and where do I say they did what they could with the tools they had, and it's my job to do better because they created a space for me to exist, and where do I hold them accountable, and what do I need to forgive, what do I need to let go of, what do I need to make right on their behalf? So I think sometimes we engage it as a very romantic thing, and it isn't necessarily. Um, yeah. But 
it's also really profound and powerful and can open up all sorts of stories and connections that have been withheld from us because this this country in particular, but the economy in general, thrives on us being disconnected, being disconnected yes. from each other, being disconnected from our origin stories, being disconnected from the legacies of the freedom fighters that came before us, um, all of that. And so just that act of connecting, I think, yes. is really profound. As well as being disconnected from ourselves, too. Yes. And like, what is, you know, what, what's also Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's material there. So much to explore as well. Yep. Stuff that is applicable to absolutely everybody. Oh my gosh, it totally is. There's some really exciting stuff. And it's been really interesting to watch who ha who I've talked with who's come at it with great enthusiasm and uh, even gratitude and who's come at it with great anxiety. Yes. Um, and it's really interesting to to reflect on how both of those are understandable responses. And I'm excited for some of my um, for some of my white friends who have been kind of saying, "Well, what do I do with the fact that I'm?" Oh, did you lose me? Uh, yeah, just a moment. If you would just go back and you could please repeat. Yeah, so I'm really excited for some of my uh, white friends who who have said to me, well, what do I do with the fact that I'm just a mutt? For them to get to realize who they are beyond this construct of whiteness, um, one of my friends, yes. yeah, one of my friends who said this to me is from Oklahoma, and I'm like, have you ever thought that Woody Guthrie's one of your ancestors? Like, mm -hmm. your ancestors aren't just biologically um, your ancestors are the people who shared the soil with you, had different ways of engaging the world, whose uh, work of liberation is something you get to carry. Uh, I think there's something really powerful about that. And I have to do my own work, right? I'm South Asian, um, mixed race South Asian. My family are Brahmins. We may have gone through a lot of horrors. We may have survived some really awful stuff at the hands of colonialism. But also within our context, um, we were we were rural. We didn't have a lot of resources, but we always had land. Mm -hmm. um, so what does it mean that we always had access to land and the privilege that goes along with that, and the position we held uh, within, you know, in communities that had nothing, we always had a little something. Mm -hmm. um, and so, what's some of the work I have to do? to make right uh, all of the things that my ancestors benefited from, right? Mm. So, yeah, so there's a lot of complexity to it, and it's really exciting. And I'm curious to see um, what possibilities for solidarity actually emerge out of all of us doing our own work. Yes, yeah. That's exciting. I it look is. forward to reading that. <laughs> we could talk a little bit about the upcoming event right that was like tied into the it totally is so yeah i am really excited and you may have already talked to people or you may know people who have gone through this program but i'm really excited about the fact that 
I got to be one of the spring residents, artists in residence, uh, for Radar Productions' Show Us Your Spines program. Uh, It's, I figured you probably knew some folks who had gone through it, yeah. Um, So it's done in partnership with the San Francisco Public Library, which not everybody knows, has an LGBTQIA archive. Um, And so this residency connects um, queer and trans people of color artists with those collections, those archives, and they personally curate, you know, we say, here's the area I want to focus on, and they curate uh, materials for us to research over the course of about a month, and then we put together a performance piece that gets showcased, and the showcase is April 22nd, 6 p.m. Pacific, um, and it's on uh, it's on the Twitch channel for the uh, is where okay. you can find it. Yeah, so okay. that's really cool. It's another partnership. They also partner with the studs. Excellent. Yeah, and so my piece is actually about this subject. It's about connecting with the stories of queer South Asian immigrant because mm. I was really hoping to tap into some of their wisdom to ground me. Yes. Um, now, what was mind-blowing, I was not expecting this, uh, was very amazing curator of those archives, Mason Jay. Uh, yes. Oh, you know Mason! Yay! Mason's been on the show before. Of yeah. course they have! I love that! Um, so, so Mason did this really great um, you know, check-in with me and with all, all four of us, and, and at the end of kind of saying, so here are the materials I'm going to pull for you, Mason also did a card reading to solicit the wisdom of the ancestors. And Mason said that what the ancestors were telling them uh, to tell me was it would be very easy for my project to get wrapped up in intimidation by by their shame or even by Mm -hmm. my shame. And that what the ancestors wanted me to focus on was stories of joy, stories of resistance, stories of their power. Mm. And I thought, oh, sure, of course. That's how I do my anti-racism work. That's going to be easy. Um, Silly ancestors, don't they know I already (laughs) do that? Um, And then I realized that to tap into the stories of queer South Asian ancestors in this area, the primary resource I had, thanks to a couple of friends work, is because of their prison records. Mm. The only reason we know they existed and we know that they were engaged in same gender love or same gender sex was because they were sent to San Quentin for quote unquote crimes against and so it turns out the ancestors were not as stupid as I thought they were, because they were like, yeah, I'm going to confront the fact that the whole way that South Asian male in particular identities were constructed in this country was deviancy and not real manhood and corrupting of real American men, right? That was how mm. the court discussions always was how these men 
weren't really men, um, were trying to destroy Americans, which meant white, young men, and trying to pull them into this depraved lifestyle. And so there was something about, you know, we talk a lot about how Asian women are exotified and how that's weaponized against Asian women. Um, mm -hmm. In that time when, in this country for the most part, people were still thinking in a gender binary, uh, manhood was brought into question because of orientation, and that intersected with very much with um, with race and um, historic location. And you see the photos of these dudes; they're big, buff, hardworking, like farm hands and construction workers, um, who are being classified in a very different way than what they're presenting. Um, appearance would indicate. Mm. And so there was something about, I mean, it brings to light how ridiculous the constructs of race and gender are, um, and the binary yeah. uh, of, around gender as well. And so to sit with those images, to read those court documents, and to think, where's the joy in that story? Mm gives me a chance, and this is not something I have spent a lot of time doing in a public way, gives me a chance to sit with, if they took that level of risk, yes. what was the joy of that physical connection? What was the joy of mm. that sexual connection? Um, and to really honor how powerful that is, I think is pretty amazing and has something to teach us. Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, dude, I only got like 10 minutes to uh, do a piece, so I don't get into tons oh. of detail, but, you know, there, I delve into that subject really much. And I don't know if that brings up stuff for you, because you've done a lot of uh, research into some of this kind of stuff as well. Maybe slightly different, but, you know, aligned. A little bit, yeah. Sorry, I was just um, okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's even think about the observation about being able to think of the nineteen forties and seeing what's come, you know, from decades. Or I mean, I came out in high school, so I'm thinking about like what's come, what's changed since then in terms of homophobia and transphobia and my own internalization of those ubiquitous white. It, it's so difficult not to internalize some of those messages, even if they so much that's trying to counter that. And of course, it all just ties into colonialism and white supremacy. And so, thinking about what's like what what folks have in media, which I. Like, are there like trans characters played by trans people on yep. this show? 
you know, a team of, we got, like, little league. So, yep. like, <laughs> this is, like, there are. Yeah. Obviously, we have to take off our take off our makeup and our aerobics, but, like, this is not, like, for artists and PDs, and, like, a lot of what he was talking about then is, is going on, certainly in Berkeley, but with all the homophobia and the HIV what folks then were going through. And, you know, just thinking about, like, female folks in the theater. Separate models, but, like, if you're cross-dressing, cross and I'm using quotation marks. Yes. Um, and just how, like, and creating gay bars, which I know they still do, but, like, sure. still how... So, so, I, during your conversation, it, it just pulled my brain away from that. Yeah. The, the history of... Absolutely. Yeah, I guess I was pretty. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And there's something about, I mean, talking about internalization, like the fact that Mason said the ancestors were like, pay attention to your own shame. Don't get sucked into it. Like that's mm. a thing, right? Um, and so to think about us have sacrificed so that we could push harder for more is pretty amazing. And so I tend, I'm, I'm finding, my, oh, sorry. Sorry, if you just repeat that, it just fell out. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I really appreciated that Mason let me know the ancestors had told me to be aware of my own shame in this process, yes. because that internalization is a real thing. And so I found my, I have found myself recently paying a lot of attention how much gratitude I can extend to people who went before, who took such huge risks and were, yes. were so bold and brave, whose stories I'm only beginning to learn. Um, yes. Because they made it possible for us to fight and louder for more. And I right. think that's pretty amazing. Yes. Took risks and were often punished for it. Yep. Absolutely. And oftentimes did. Think about that as a, as a time often just Things were not easy, however, they're so much easier now with accessing medical care, finding community. Yes. 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 And there are people who made that possible, right? Absolutely. Love that. And I think the yeah, and I think the idea for all of us is that Yes. Always so much work to be done. <laughs> And I mean, it, yeah. I'm, I'm laughing about that, but I mean, 30, I, I'm sure you've done shows just on this subject, and I'm not the expert on this, but like um, 33 states uh, trying to move through anti-trans legislation right mm -hmm. now, right? Yeah. It's yeah. sickening. It's disgusting, and it's cruel. I mean, I run out of adjectives. Yep. 
as well as it's lazy. I mean, they've gone to the effort of saying, who is it that we can get the most collective contempt for? Right, uh, right. And let's just do that. Um, mm -hmm. So, I mean, on top of it being just, yeah, there are no adjectives, but like anti-human and just absolutely deplorable, it is also just profoundly lazy. Because mm. um, they can't say, here's what we're for. Right, right. They don't care about the yeah absolutely so yeah when you say we have so much work to do it's very very true and that's where some of my strength is increasingly coming from is who are the people before who did this right like including people mm -hmm. that i had heard of and didn't know the story right like i celebrated polly murray as a radical queer feminist and i'm only learning Oh, there's more to that yeah. story, right? Polly Murray yeah. was a trans person without access to um, all of the things that would have made that more possible to live fully into, right? Um, mm -hmm. And Polly Murray was, I mean, we, in some ways, we have Polly Murray to thank for Brown versus Board of Education and all of these mm -hmm. major civil rights victories because they were one of the most brilliant legal minds of their time. Um, how amazing is it to now learn that was somebody who was paving the way? Um, for me, in my research, one of, oh, sorry, did you lose me again? Or can you hear yeah, me okay? Yeah, now I can. Oh, now I'm losing you. Do you think it? Do you think it would work better if we turned our cameras off? I know that that's not necessarily oh, sure. a guarantee. It's worth yeah, a try. I'll give it a try. I hate doing it, but they say that that sometimes improves bandwidth. I have no oh, idea. Okay. Yeah, it's worth a shot. Um, Definitely. I'm sad not to get to see your face, but. Um, so, okay, uh, yeah, what, a, what an amazing thing it is to learn that Polly Murray was out there fighting uh, for trans rights, somebody who was one of the best legal minds of their time. Uh, in, in small ways, I mean, in big ways fighting for women, in big ways fighting for black folks, in small ways trying to help us understand different ways of understanding gender, which is part mm. of of the work right um yes. for me because i i am i am a cis woman um tending more towards they than she these days but still a cis woman um with who has never sat well within traditional constructs of womanhood um or what it means to be a woman as i was doing my research for this and this did get mentioned very briefly um, in the showcase piece next week, but um, as I was digging through uh, queer South Asian ancestors, I came across a queer East Asian American ancestor, uh, Margaret Jessie Chung, who was the first American-born uh, doctor of Asian descent in this country. And 
she, can you re- repeat the last name? Yeah, Margaret, sorry, Margaret Jessie Young, who okay. was born in San Francisco in, or maybe, yeah, in Santa Barbara, uh, but moved to San Francisco in, like, 1889 and became the first, well, became the first American doctor of Asian descent, Chinese descent, mm. in this country, was a woman, was the most dapper dresser you could possibly imagine, <laughs> was constantly having affairs with any woman she could get her hands on, was, uh, dr- yeah, totally, drove drove a sports car at, like, absolute maximum San Francisco in the uh. 1920s. I mean, she's like, I'm like, I wish I had that level of swagger. She's doing that in the 1920s and the 1930s. She was rumored to have had uh, an affair with, I'm trying to remember, um, a famous movie actress while they were both raising funds for the boys during World War II. Um, She's a legend. And this is like in the 1920s. She dressed better than I dress now. And her way of reshaping what gender meant uh, mm-hmm. all that time ago is part of why I'm allowed to say, hey, not femme, not butch, um, I'm I'm functioning in this different space. Yeah. Um, and how great is it to know that there are people who did that work, maybe not on our behalf, but functionally on our behalf. Mm-hmm. Uh, that brings me a great deal of comfort when I'm like, I feel like everyone keeps trying to put me in a box. I'm like, I bet they tried to put Margaret Chung in a box, too, and she wouldn't let them. So uh, it gives me a little more strength for my days. Well, thank you for sharing that. I mean, there's so many folks out there that we just don't know. There, and it's also just about the selective retelling of history and who exactly. gets celebrated and who doesn't. Who gets a movie or ten movies and what about yep. who gets caught in two and the other folks who... I don't have the word for it. Yeah. I'd love to know. Yes. Yes, exactly. I hear rumors that there's an excellent documentary about Polly Murray through a trans-affirming lens. Ah. Um, yeah, apparently it, somebody I met on Tinder was telling me all about it. Uh, ah. <laughs> the, it, it came out That's at the, I think it was at the same time. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so it, it apparently came out in uh, 2019 or 2020. It was in the San Francisco Film Festival. So, yeah, I'm definitely going to have to dig that up. Yeah, there's so many ancestors that uh, can give us strength for this really hard work we have ahead of us. Because it is. It's hard work. It's still hard work. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's so much to push back against. That's what I'm just finding is just, it's like, it's this on, it's it's like an ongoing slaughter of hate violence. And to have time to even heal from past trauma, right? Also, just rem- remember, like, enjoy the earth and yeah. be joyful and appreciate. Yes. Do simultaneously, and then take a break because <laughs> it's hard not to. I definitely get into that. Yes. The Twitter update. I don't trust any corporate media, but I don't yeah. trust any mainstream media. Mm-hmm. You know, reading about like what's happening. Yeah. It's hard to, you know, where does one get the opportunity? Like, oh, just find me reading about this. Sure, I might be hearing it with people, but to 
So where's the where's the point to kind of not necessarily disengage, I guess recognize one thing and take on yes. everything at the same time. It's interesting because this is the thing that I keep pushing. So I do a lot of anti-oppression work and anti and particularly anti-racist work. That's really um, really where I focus a lot of my energy. And mm -hmm. I just I just taught this online course. Well, I have an online course that is available for people to take uh, oh. at their leisure. Um, but I did uh, back when it launched simultaneously facilitate a couple of lectures to go along with it. And um, one of the things I push folks to do is say, it's okay to choose the thing you're going to do. And mm -hmm. I think that that is terrifying to some folks because they're like, but then I can't do all the things. And I'm like, if you try to do all the things, you're not going to do them well. Yes. And if you choose the one thing and do it well, chances are it will end up connecting with the other issues, right? Like, there's yes, a because everything's exactly. There's an LGBTQ church that I've done a little bit of work with in Fort Worth. They are an because um, I mean, God bless anybody who's doing LGBTQ affirming church work in Fort Worth, Texas. Mm. That is amazing work. Um, and they invited me out a few years ago to do a little intersectionality workshop with them, uh, partly because the pastor was feeling very concerned about the fact that they weren't doing enough around Black Lives Matter. Um, and she wanted the church to recognize that they needed to broaden their focus. And in the course of the conversations I had with them, at some point I said to the pastor, hey, if you stay with your focus on advocating with and on behalf of LGBTQ folks um, for basic civil rights in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you're going to end up dealing with homeless trans youth. You're going to mm -hmm. end up dealing with the intersection of black and gay and trans issues uh, around police brutality because um, trans black folks are dealing with police brutality on a higher level than um, than other folks. If you're doing that work well, you're going to deal with immigration issues because there are so many queer and trans immigrants um, being abused by the immigration system just a few miles south of you. Um, yes. You don't actually have to say, we're going to do this and this. If you do the one thing well, it's going to force you um, to deal with the other issues. So I don't know that we have to apologize for saying, here's the thing I work on and that's part of how we build out our solidarity. I think when we try to do all the things, it can be really depleting, really demoralizing, and incredibly lonely. So I think that there's a value to us connecting with other folks doing the thing we work on um, yes. that gives us energy as well. So that's kind of a thing I've been talking a lot about. And it's, like I said, terrifying to folks to hear me yeah. say that. Because it feels like then I can't do all the things, and I'm like, how are, how well are you doing all the things right now? <laughs> right, right. Maybe it's permission giving. I think I like to think it's empowering. I like to think that we bring more power when it's concentrated, and there's a value to that. Ooh. So now I'm thinking about you know which areas. 
would definitely say not my not necessarily like to, but I think going from a place to place or subject to subject. Yeah. Just being aware of what's happening. Oh yeah. I think that's valuable though. I mean it is to know the to know all the stuff for sure. And to be okay with the fact that I can't the lead person on every single thing is also oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's um, fair. <laughs> you know, just like wanting to show up. Like, yeah. Recognizing and witnessing what's going on, it, it, there's there's so much. So you know the other. Do I have time to do one other thing? I know this has been like tangent after tangent already. Sorry, can you repeat that? Is it okay if I do one more tangent? Oh, you can do many more tangents. Don't worry. Just one. <laughs> I feel like time. I've done a lot of tangents already, so that's great. Um, so, you know, it's interesting because I think um, wanting to be doing the right work sometimes influences us. And I mention yes. that because... Like I said, I do a lot of racial justice work, but as far as my work in the street, um, the work I do kind of in movement spaces and public spaces is much more around worker justice. Mm -hmm. um, and I mention that because I've gotten arrested with fast food workers on more than one occasion, largely because they've said, need a clergy person to risk arrest with us because if we get taken to jail, um, we want someone in that space with us right. because it reduces again. the. Oh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Roman. It's so hard. I apologize. Oh, Do you no, not hear no. me? Please don't. Please don't apologize. It's the technology. <laughs> um, you were saying that you had been arrested with workers who needed a clergy person. Yeah. So yeah. So fast food workers have said if a clergy person goes to jail with us, the likelihood of abuse goes down mm. considerably and because oh. they know we have a public outlet. So I I have done that on more than one occasion. When mm -hmm. the movement for black lives really uh, took off, a number of my friends were in the very center of planning some of the actions that were really disruptive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I got invited to a rally one time and it was only once I was there that I was like, oh, the rally's a deep for the fact that they're going in to shut down the uh, the courthouse uh, or to disrupt activity in the courthouse. And so all of my friends are sitting in a circle in the middle of the courthouse while I'm out at this rally. And I had total feelings about it. I was like, don't they know I'm down for the cause? Don't they know that I would risk mm. arrest too? And then I was like, oh, actually, it's okay that my primary place where I do the biggest, boldest work is with workers, and they know that. And so they've yes. said, hey, for this one, just be a crowd builder, got it. Um, and so there was a little bit of me that was like, oh, I was worried that they didn't see me as essential to the work. They didn't see me mm. as willing to show up for them in that way. And so I, I had a moment of kind of confronting the fact that um, my mother's favorite kind of Bengali saying uh, that she and I quote to each other a lot is, it is not enough to be a good thing. It is being seen. 
thing that matters. Um, and I mm. think I have internalized some of that, right? And, yeah. and when they say that, it's like, it's not enough to wash your hands. The family has to see you wash your hands Got for it, it to count. Otherwise, they'll make you wash your hands again in front of them. Uh, right. And, and hmm. so I realized I had internalized some of that. Um, and so my desire to be seen and to be in solidarity with the movement for Black Lives was getting in the way of the way I could actually be seen. Um, yeah. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately, is how much of me wanting to be a part of all these things is me wanting to make sure people know I'm the kind of person who mm -hmm. shows up for those mm -hmm. things. Yeah. So yeah. I'm just going to keep showing up for the people who want me to show up. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll, I will, and I will uh, take my position in the back of the crowd in the end. Uh, that's important too. That's quite relatable. It makes me think a lot about ego and yeah. topic of conversation. White thing. Behavior piece that comes in, but also this other, I think also which focus on this too, where it's that um, making it more about and how to kind of detach from that. And I think also part of that's just due to what we've been taught, where we haven't been taught about solidarity together. We've been taught about one leader feeling that uh, one member growing up learning yeah. about Rosa Parks and not learning about the like bus boycott that was ongoing time. Yes. So I think it very much people, myself included, to be like this idea that, oh, it has to be this really working with to do it together. Yes. I think one of the reasons that William Barber is one of my heroes is because mm -hmm. anytime somebody calls him the next Dr. King, he gets yeah. really mad. <laughs> yes. It's not just that he's being humble and he's like, no, no. He's like, no, that is not how movements work. Movements right. are destined to fail if you make one person the center of them. Um, yes. And so I'm really grateful for that um, wisdom and that modeling. Um, mm -hmm. And even so, we have a tendency to do it. So here I am being like, and that's why Dr. Barber is my hero. <laughs> 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 so yeah, it's tricky. There's, yeah, there's so much good. Hello? Yeah, I can still hear okay. you. Okay. Okay. And with technology. Yeah, there there's so much so much here to just talk about. And I think also just with organizing and the media now and the United States and what kind of space and surveillance. And in some ways I think I think I'm also seeing in a different direction, but when I heard or read about seventies with oh people were just making photocopies. To organize, I mean, there was surveillance. You know, a phone can be there's cameras out on every street corner. So, yeah, I think that's I think that's true, and um, yeah, it's fascinating. I've been watching some of the conflicts that are playing themselves out within the 
modern day civil rights movement uh, where mm -hmm. people are dragging each other and people are defending yes. each other. And somebody recently, somebody who had lived through the 70s, through the black power movement was like, y'all, this is just an old school co-intel pro strategy. Yeah, um, to get everyone to fighting each other. each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it's been really interesting to kind of watch people say, I am 100% sure that this, is, this conflict has been regenerated um, mm -hmm. to, to diminish the power of the movement. Um, yes. So I do think that it was possible to dip your toe in and back out um, in the 60s and 70s and be a little bit less visible. Um, mm -hmm. I think it is still very possible today to do that um, because I think we still get to choose the level of engagement and uh, that we, yeah, we get to choose the level of engagement and the level of risk in most of the actions we participate in. So, and it's interesting because I, I was trained in faith-rooted organizing by Alexia Salvatierra, and she always makes us talk about democracy. And she's like, you can say what you want about all of the ways that democracy doesn't work in this country. She's mm -hmm. like, y'all, I used to organize in the Philippines. Mm. You don't know what not democracy looks like. Mm. Um, and so there's a certain element of, if you are risk-averse, there are still places in the system. Um, because there are actions that um, that run a low risk of being surveilled in those ways. So I kind of yes. feel like there's still plenty of spaces for risk intolerant folks to participate if they want to. Um, yeah. And I also think that there are horrific things happening to people that don't need to be because of what they say, right? Like Seattle's of a course. great example of that. Um, or what's happening in Minneapolis right now is an yeah. example of that. So and what two was things happening to be in true. Portland last night. Yep. Oh, I said Seattle and I meant Portland. I'm sorry. Oh, Although yeah. yeah. Stuff All happened in Seattle, Seattle too. too. Yep. But and Portland yeah. was ongoing like a month and more than a month. Um, so yeah, and what's happening in Minneapolis now also. You know, it's interesting because I'm really grateful to some of our movement elders for making sure that we pay attention to global solidarity, even mm. when we're doing very local work. And I've got a student in one of the classes I teach from Burma, and mm. it's caused me to pay a lot more attention to the news going on in Burma right now. Some, yes. that, some people would call it Myanmar. The people I know who are activists call it Burma because mm -hmm. um, the history of it, as long as it's been called Myanmar, has been wrapped up in... Um, police state violence, um, although both names are okay, depending on who you're talking with. Um, but what's going on there, day after day, fa whole families are showing up in the streets. I mean, the, mm. they, I think I have seen that over half of the country is engaging in, rebel, uh, in protest actions against the, uh, the military that's mind-blowing to me. And the yeah. things that are happening are horrific. They are yeah. targeting children. They are blowing up families. The mm. things that the military is doing are very, very reckless, and they, those actions are meant to convey, we will be indiscriminate in our mm -hmm. punishment of your resistance. 
And mm. even so, millions of people are engaged in public acts of resistance. Um, and I think it's really important for us to be paying attention to what it means to fight for democracy. And particularly in yeah. light of the fact that um, for those of us who have paid any attention, Ansung was a huge heroine of a lot of hours when she was in prison. And then once she became prime minister, president, I can't remember which, um, she started collaborating with the military and doing harm to uh, minoritized groups in that and country. Who is this? I'm sorry, Ansung Sung Su, uh, the was a resistant uh, a resistance movement leader in Burma, uh, mm. and she wasn't allowed to go and get the Nobel Prize because she was a citizen. Um, and then she became the leader of the country, and everybody was so excited. Um, mm -hmm. And then she ended up letting the horrific violence against Muslims that has happened in Burma mm. over the past uh, five years. She she permitted it to happen, and I think we were all mm. shocked. And so she is a very imperfect leader. And during this political, uh, during this coup, she was imprisoned again, and people are marching to demand her freedom. And mm. to me, that's actually a really important for us thing for us to sit with as movement leaders, because right now within U.S.-based radical leftist movements, there's a lot of I call it um, security politics. There's a lot of yeah. only wanting the perfect leader, and none of us is. Yeah. And so to watch Burmese people risking their lives and their families' lives demand the dignity of a woman that they know has, has participated in some horrific stuff is important. Mm -hmm. um, it's important for us to pay attention to. So... I'm learning a lot as I'm paying attention to some of our movement siblings around the country. I know last year everybody was talking about um, how we needed to learn to be water um, in the same mm -hmm. way that our uh, movement colleagues in Hong Kong were doing. I think we yeah. have some things to learn from our our uh, Burmese family as we do movement work now. Indeed. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. It's not something that's on a lot of Americans' radars. I think it's my proximity to – I mean – West Bengal, the region of India that my father's from, is not mm -hmm. that far from Burma. And so okay. it's just a little more on my radar than a lot of folks in the United States. I mean, all the more reason to continue talking with them. Also, just important to get accurate information. Like, I've. Right. Of course, it's so just to get like firsthand experience. The, the the best option. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, we need to share these stories with each other. Mm -hmm. oh. I'm thinking also just about how, you know, growing up in this country, the history was so very much focused. History, if you were you didn't focus on the people. 
very little beyond the fact that Europe had retired and outlawed history because from a very young age as children they had been told and even with the news media what they talked about and what they talked about were you know all just because they belonged to this Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we have some opportunities to tell a different story. Um, this will be, I recognize that this might be controversial for the audience, and I want to be really clear that what I'm about to say is not a reflection on your beliefs or the way you want to go. Um, I also think we get taught a history of war in order to cause us to not learn how nonviolent resistance has actually accomplished a great deal mm -hmm. um, on behalf of so many people. Um, and so I, I know that's controversial. I get a lot of flack for it in a lot of the movements I get, because I think a lot of my colleagues think that my commitment to nonviolence is really naive. Um, and I would make the argument that it's amoral, not the moral, but it's a moral stance, but it's also, um, it's also a stance born of data that actually more long-lasting political change at national levels has been achieved through nonviolent resistance over the past hundred years than through violent resistance. Um, that's true in Europe, it's true in South America, it's true in Central America, it's true in North America, it's true uh, across uh, Africa. The one place it's not completely true of is Asia, but the interesting thing about Asian data is that neither violent nor nonviolent resistance yields a significant amount of sustainable uh, nationwide political change. Mm -hmm. um, and I don't know why that is, because that's not my area of expertise, but, mm -hmm. um, but I mention that because I think we also get a and we also get a militarized history that teaches us um, that military resistance is the way things are done, which mm -hmm. also makes us feel smaller and less effective because yeah. they will always have bigger, better guns than we do. They yeah. will always be able to wipe us out if they want right. to, um, and so I think that. Part of the way we get taught history is also a militarized history mm -hmm. that causes us to be unaware of how powerful our nonviolent resistance can be and have been. Mm -hmm. Like I said, not a popular opinion in my circles these days because they're like, oh. you just want to take away our guns so we can't fight them. And I'm like, eh, I just don't think you're ever going to win with the guns. Mm. Uh, so again, not a popular opinion. Um, so I wanted to put in that disclaimer because it makes me a bad anarchist if I feel that oh. way. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I don't like that you're sharing, but like perspectives on 
what works and what's best for yeah. you. And just, I feel like it's just it's just going to be as always just a diversity of tactics. Yeah, I totally, totally agree with that. And also just with the militarization, that's something that I harp on a lot. It's not just a fucking military budget, which stupid-ass administration is like, yeah. also, money, you know, can't raise the minimum wage, abolish <laughs> student debt, housing to the healthcare. The U.S. military is the biggest polluter in the world. Oh, my point. Where's my point? Um, <laughs> going off the oh, the um, not like just the budget, but militarism yeah. in general. Yeah. Over the years, also with like Hollywood and movies. I love movies. Yeah. I love movies. I'm an actor, and like, yeah, it's so disturbing that like so many of the of films have started back into production again. Still, is trying to bring up like another cop show. Another war movie, yep. and it's like the military investment is pushed right into our bedrooms all the way. Like, quote unquote, entertainment. And even as actors, it's like, oh, I personally will speak for like most anyway. But <laughs> it, it's just like, wow, why aren't more women something? Yeah. It's like, you know, soldiers. Uh, it's just it feel it's every aspect of our of our life or which reminds me I think I know I've already told you this but um I was in Chicago for doing a training when uh Sorry to Bother You came out and oh. so I reached out to one of my besties who is an anti-racist and I was like Yvonne do you want to go see this movie because I really want to see it the weekend it opens. And yes. so we found a place that was showing on the south side of Chicago, and we went to it. And after the movie, she was like, I didn't know you talked through movies. I was like, not all movies, just this movie. Because, like, as soon as you came on screen, I was like, I know that person. That's uh. my friend. Roman's in this movie. Did you know? I know Roman. And, and Yvonne's uh. like, I'm trying to ask you things. I was like, I know, but I want to make sure you see them. Oh. <laughs> I feel... Yes. It's like I mean, it's I'm grateful to get work anyway, but then it's like um, a movie that was so treated like questioned the status quo and like ardent leftist messaging. I feel like it was yes. so rare and such a beautiful opportunity not to get that when it opened. I feel oh just my gosh, so grateful totally to have had that opportunity. What was particularly joy bringing to me was when he gets into his dream apartment. It is mm -hmm. the apartment I had always fantasized about living in. It's the it's the same building, like it's yeah. kind of I I call it Oakland's Flatiron Building. Um, yeah. And I was like, oh, look at him. He's living the life I always dreamed of. You know, <laughs> it was really fun. I got and then he's you know he's going out for drinks at the bar that I used to hang out at, and it's all yeah. 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 As um. well as it being such a prophetic film. Indeed. And, as, Indeed. and had a great soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but I was super excited that you were a part of it. I was like, it all makes sense. That's the perfect casting. I, oh, yeah, I loved it. It was, uh, 
and, and it's so oftentimes I have it like I can't wear enough buttons or I'm afraid to wear right. those or anything. Like right. You don't see it in the film, but I have like a like a sensor bike that has a camera on it and it's really small. Oh so my it's totally gosh. fine for me just to have it. Even though it wasn't actually fun at all, it was still just felt more I guess, you know, it looked like more myself. Yes. Rather than stripped down of any individuality. Yes, absolutely. Were you in, do I remember that you were in the scene where Kamau was there as well, or am I making that up? I, I don't believe I was there okay. for that scene. One of the, some... one of the office scenes and then the protest scene. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, yeah I couldn't remember if you were in, uh, in the mix during that scene. Oh, anyhow, it had a lot of cameos that exciting for anyone except people from the Bay Area, but they were pretty great cameos. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they'll be soon. Absolutely. Thrown deep in there. I hope so. It ended on a cliffhanger. I'm waiting for the sequel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Hammered with with action. Oh, yeah. yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Anyway. Just out of curiosity, are there other films that you've been really proud to make a movie with? Nope. (laughs) 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 Um, I mean, like, I I have like a play in New York shortly and stuff like that, and then especially as background. And then even for me, like as a you know someone who's on the masculine end of the spectrum, and then I like there's more options I think for other films with that. It's still just very limited in terms of getting cast in them. So, yeah. but like as far as like casting for Love the Web Star the Basketball, part of the affiliated. I mean, maybe, uh, yeah, I'm trying to, I'm thinking right now, and it's nothing that, like, there's that show called Chance on Hulu with Hugh Laurie. Oh, neat! Good to meet Hugh Laurie. Um, I was, even where I found it, so there's a photo of it, a photo that ended up being in Entertainment Weekly, so it looked like I was, oh my gosh. it looked like I was, like, doing a lot in <laughs> and you know we're always in front of the right. And there's that right. part of me that's like, I don't think I'm gonna do this. Uh, there's like tempted to talk to him, but I don't say anything. I'm just like looking through books, and he was looking through books, and that was that. <laughs> um, and then there's other shows. I think in there was a film that I did with Ashley and Jason Hedgecock, who unfortunately came back to life. And he uh, didn't, he ended up not the first day I was on set. I was photographing a, a robber on the beach, and I was in bed crying. And, um, <laughs> and the second day, they were things didn't go so well. And as far as I know, they haven't since. They just, they just wanted to go away. So anyway, that was something that I was like, 
propaganda type program. Right. And it is a popular It is. It really is. It's like, oh, I have another Good for you. That's just like if you can get a bachelor's Yep. And I, I doubt it, but that's how it works. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, no shade. That's that's the gigs that are going. Yep. <sighs> Although I could actually see you getting a role as a cop. Have you seen um gosh, what's the name of that guy? Welsh actor. Um who plays No um, My Welsh knowledge is I didn't know Christian Bale was Welsh. There you go. Um okay, I'm pretty sure. I hope I don't get him like I'm pretty sure he was at least born in Wales. <laughs> no, the guy I'm thinking of Danny was Mail. he plays a cop in Vikings. Yeah, he was in the IT crowd. Oh, that name is I was sure he was Welsh. I mean, He's in this brilliant he Welsh show called Moonbrook. Um, huh? I just always assumed he was Welsh. Anyhow, don't, yeah, so maybe I'll get the hint. Um, oh, <laughs> and I was wrong. Hey, I My was mistake. born in England. That doesn't mean I was English. Yeah. Um, oh, wait, he was born in Wales. There you go. You win. Woo. <laughs> Pop culture knowledge to be read. Seriously. So, so, for the record, I feel like if uh, Chris O'Dowd could pull off a cop, so could you. Yeah. <laughs> but wouldn't I'm it be great so, if you like... got to play a cop who was became radicalized? And yeah, like in a good like, way. Sorry, not the other kind of radicalization. Like a lot oh, of those sure, cops. Sure. I mean, already, already <laughs> yeah, no, that's why I wanted to clarify. A cop who gets radicalized towards true. good. Yeah. <laughs> like a perfectly Yes. Well, taking down the system from within. I encourage all the cops who listen to this show to like go out and speak out against. Yes. Amen. Because when what what's the saying now? Um, if there are ninety nine good cops and one bad apple, and the ninety nine yeah. cops keep their mouths quiet, then there's actually a hundred bad cops. So yeah, we need you to be the good cops you want to be. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of, all of the police officers right now.
Likewise, Roman. I'm so glad hey, we got we to connect. Yeah. I'm definitely more of an introvert in general, but this past year it's been really difficult for him to reach out to people and not on Facebook much, and that's where I kind of right with folks. So right. I do feel like I missed out on overall. It's been yeah. Facebook has had a lot of things on there, but at the same time, I do miss having absolutely, absolutely. So I'm really glad we connected, and it was surely because I was like, "Hey, I wonder if you'd like to come to my show." Uh, so Definitely. <laughs> so it was super kind of you to create this space. I'm really yeah. grateful. Yeah, it's been a year ago, many years ago. Yeah. Right. Um, so it's really nice to get to visit again. That was super fun. It was super fun to get to do it like in the studio. That was yeah. really lovely. Yeah. Hopefully. Oh, that's great. I'm so grateful you do this, Roman. Oh, thank you. I'm grateful for what you do. Thanks. I'm still figuring out what I'm doing these days, but I appreciate it. You are... <laughs> at times can be like really difficult subjects and yeah. to have someone who is as knowledgeable and present just so like it can be it's so healing any many forward with doing what's right in the world and sometimes it feels like there's a world that's against us and then have a conversation like this, and it's like, oh, you don't have to be against people. Like yeah. Really kind of like, well, not even just the work itself, but just you are as a person, making the world a more equitable place. Thanks so much, friend. Ah, well, we'll we'll post the link to the. Uh... <laughs> oh yay! Thank you. I'm super excited about it, and I really do still hope that you can come. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Be watching this, and then hopefully next year it'll be in person again. I hope so too. Yeah, oh, I'm well, ready. I'm I'm ready to be fully vaccinated. I'm ready to be at full immunity. I've been dating somebody months and we haven't gotten to hold hands yet oh so oh. i'm ready i'm ready for this all to be over <laughs> Indeed. hold hands even sooner yes i really appreciate that yeah thank you so much Shonda. this has been really lovely i've really had tons of fun with this i really appreciate it all right Aww. i'm gonna turn my camera on to see if even if we get a little glitchy at least i can say goodbye Love you, you hugs across the screen. Yay! I can Very feel them. I wish you could send me digital burritos for me. That's really what um, I'd like. <laughs> okay, let me work on that. Let me add that to the list. <laughs> oh, all right, friend. I'll talk right. to you soon. Okay, take care. You too. Bye. Bye. All right. Wonderful conversation. And on our website at weeklyrev.org, we have a post that we'll be 
going up very shortly that has links to the website as well as many books written and also a link to the invite for Show Us Your Spines, queer and trans BIPOC artist residency presentation, which is happening April 22nd from 6 to 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. You can find that at twitch.tv forward slash stud sf. And if you could uh, please go to uh, Honda's website. It is S-A-N-C-H-Y-A-J-H-A.com. And that's S-A-N-C-H-Y-A. Jha.com, and we also have a link up on our website, weeklyrev.org, to find much more information. All right, we're going to take a bit of an extended music break here and then get back into a few news stories and action items that folks can take um, in regards to pushing back against some of the awful anti-trans bills that have been making their way around the country and also just sharing a bit of information about what's been happening in Brooklyn. So, uh, yeah, an excited music break, and then we'll be back in a bit, so please do stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. 
That's what I say. I say yeah, yeah.